Hey, this is John Legadakis of johnlegadakis.com and I want to thank you for joining me on this podcast. This podcast is a live recording of an interview I do each week with other internet marketers, personal development and business leaders where we talk about how we can better promote our products and services online, get more traffic and make more sales. I hope you get a lot out of today's recording. Hello and welcome to the podcast, everyone. It's great to have you here. Thank you so very much for joining us. Our special guest today is Eric Knight from LA. Thanks for joining us, Eric. Hey, John. How are you? Good, good. It's really, um, it's really great to have Eric here. Eric, uh, let me tell you a bit about Eric. So Eric, he is the founder of Persistent Management, which is a full-service artist management company. Their artists and creative roster includes singer-songwriter Blake Nix and feature film and television director-producer Keith L. Shaw. Now, Eric himself has opened for acts including Kiss, Dave Matthews Band, Aerosmith and Kid Rock, and recently walked away with outstanding male solo artist bragging rights at the Rockies Awards in Hollywood. So it's, it is a great privilege to have you here, Eric. I'm sure lots of awesome experiences you can share with us. Yeah. Uh, if, before you do that, before you share uh, some of your performance experiences, over the years, tell us um, what what I like for myself and for our audience knows about Eric Knight, the person, i.e., growing up. So childhood years, influences. What was life like for you and in, in your family? Uh, for me, I mean, I came from um, my mother and father uh, were immigrants from Cuba, so I'm actually Cuban, even though I don't look it. I, I am Spanish. And, uh, you know, I, I was born and raised here in the States, uh, originally from Miami, Florida. And uh, basically came up in a very kind of uh, a lot of music was in my in, in my growing up years and my upbringing. My, my father used to be a, a rhythm guitar player for, for a band uh, in the Miami area for a, for a long time. And so there was always a lot of music in my uh, in my house. And my mom uh, could have been an incredible singer. And uh, she just was always very shy, but uh, always sang in the house and just grew up listening to all this great music. And so I kind of came, I guess that's where the music bug kind of started biting me. Uh, and I think it was uh, after I watched a video from Kiss, you know, and I saw these guys like in makeup and spitting fire and, you know, blood dripping from everywhere. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? I go, I want to do that. And so, yeah, um, the music bug just kind of bit me early and, uh, you know, I was one of those kids that set up pots and pans in the houses and I would start doing concerts for everybody in my family. And, you know, I jumped from playing the drums to doing the guitar parts and jumping all over my room and just, you know, uh, that, that's kind of how that uh, all started. And uh, yeah, and that just kind of led on into later uh, people asking me to join their band and, uh, you know, and, and started getting into the music uh, scene that way. And, uh, you know, we would uh, listen to music and start learning other people's, you know, all these famous band songs and learning all the cover songs and doing all that stuff for, for many years. And then uh, I started slowly branching out into wanting to become, you know, write, writing my own material and, you know, uh, and doing that. So uh, was in a bunch of, it was in a few bands that, you know, we actually did very well. Some of the bands that I, w I was in did very well. And, uh, and then uh, decided to go on my own for, for a while. And, uh, and then after many years of be doing a, the solo thing and all that stuff, uh, ended up 
coming into a new band, which I'm sure we're going to probably talk a little bit about later on. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of like my upbringing. I mean, I guess in a very nutshell, uh, a lot of music was in my around me. So I guess I just was hooked on it very early and uh, stayed with it, you know, up until now. Yeah. And reading through some of your material, Eric, I know that one of your philosophies is that, and, and I believe this too, that a lot of people today, they want to get somewhere really fast. Like they want to right. be a, a mega success overnight. Right. And, uh, but you know, that takes years and years of work to get to, you know, people that we, you know, overnight success stories are not really overnight success stories, yeah. if you know what I mean. So for you, 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 as you as you just mentioned in the introduction there you um a lot of years different bands going out solo when do you th when was your first big moment do you think um i i think the first big moment was when i just started you know when i was performing and you know making money off doing it i was like wow i feel like i had already made it you know even though you know people have different uh philosophies of what that is and I think the quote that I always had was that you're running a, a, a marathon and not a race and I think that's what a lot of people don't realize everybody sees the ending story of like where the artist or where the you know you can fill in the blank whether it's a sports figure or somebody in a different field that they've had some success you you, you know the person just sees that side and doesn't see the road that it took to get to that that person to get to that point particularly in music and in sports, as you know, uh, there's just so many obstacles that you have to, and so many hoops you have to jump through. Uh, and there's a lot of rejection in the process. And uh, even to, the, to this day, those people that are super successful still get rejected in a lot of different levels. So um, I think it takes a certain quality of person that's going to be kind of be able to deal with that rejection and all that. But for me, I think the, the turning point for me was when I was, uh, you know, I think when I started playing with a lot of these bigger bands, opening up for them and starting to see that that work was paying off and, you know, uh, people were starting to connect with the music, with my music and, you know, all those small little things that lead up to the bigger, bigger goals that uh, make you keep going because, you know, it's a roller coaster ride, you know, mm -hmm. as you probably know. Uh, and for anybody who's in the arts or any kind of other field that's very competitive, uh, it can be, I mean, it could destroy you. So you have to really uh, be able to ride those ups and downs and be able to ride that roller coaster. And, uh, you know, and it's, and I guess that's why I feel like I've been so connected with it because I, I'm the type of person that doesn't like um, the same thing over and over. I like the spontaneity of things. And so in this field that you're in, every day is a different set of circumstances and a different set of things that happen. And so it's never what you think. And particularly because I'm sure we'll talk about on my business side of things. Uh, I, I think I got into that field because of that unknowing of what the future holds or what tomorrow holds and what you think is going to happen doesn't end up happening. I mean, it's, it's just a, a crazy thing, particularly in my world. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And so that's, I'm guessing that's how, why you chose the name persistent management. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah the, the management company just came about almost personally for me. It almost started out as a, as a vanity company for myself. Uh, a lot of people in the music industry don't like dealing directly with the artist or the, or the creatives, you know, because of whatever reasons. It's changed a little bit over the years now because there's a lot more people that are in the music industry that are on the business side. Like you have like Jay-Z and, 
you know, uh, uh, Sean Combs and artists of that nature that have gone into the business sides of it. So it's a little bit more accepted now. But when I started it, uh, I started it more to keep myself, Eric Knight, separate from, you know, the, the management side and, and for it to be perceived as like, oh, this guy has management. So, you mm-hmm. know, there must be something serious. It's a whole perception. And perception is everything, as you know, in the in the industry. Uh, and so I originally started it out as a vanity company, but what ended up happening, it started evolving into something more because I had a lot of friends that are also musicians and super talented people. And, you know, I never had that guidance. I had to learn everything by myself. I learned everything about the music industry just as I kind of went. And so... Uh, I was coming across a lot of really talented bands and artists that I said, wow, these guys are super talented, but they just don't have that direction or focus where they need to kind of hone in on that and move through that path. And so uh, what ended up happening was I started taking on other people, people, whether I either knew them or we somehow connected in some way or or another and started taking them on because I felt like I had... um, I can understand the psychology of what they're going through because I am going what they're, what they're going through on a day-to-day basis. So I can put myself in their head. I can understand the psychology of what a musician goes through and that whole roller coaster ride that they go through. Um, so I felt I was good at doing that. And I'm very into strategy and strategizing things. My father has been a big influence with me and, uh, we're into a lot of like world war two and just all this stuff. I mean, I'm not a war you know, person that wants to have war or anything like that, but I'm into all of that stuff of how they strategize and how they plotted out their campaigns. And so, uh, and I'm a big fan of chess as well too, which, you know, that's something that's very strategic and what you're doing. And so uh, I've always been one of those people that like to take something from nothing and get it from point A to point B and that path that you go along there. So I'm really fascinated by the whole process. And in the music business, there's so many different ways that you can go to get that person from point A to point B. It's not a set path that you're going through. So uh, that intrigues me, the, the business side of that and trying to get that person uh, because every, every person is different. Every artist is different. And, uh, you know, you have a different set of circumstances. So it's almost like you're throwing a puzzle on the table and you're just slowly starting to piece it together, but it's taking you on a different path. So it, uh, that that's kind of the whole idea behind persistent management. It originally started as something for me as a vehicle for me to keep myself separate from the artist, but then it started turning into a more of a full fledged artist management company where I do have clients and nurturing their careers and trying to get them to the next level and trying to, you know, achieve their goals. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can, I can really understand how to a lot of artists would need that kind of that guidance because they're creative people. They're not necessarily, uh, you know, st- st- the type that would think strategy. Exactly. Uh, and also with the way the music industry has evolved and changed so much over the years because of the fact that you can now self-publish, you've got exactly. social media. It's not, you know, gone of the days, long, long time now. It's gone of the days where you approach a record company. And if exactly. You know, so, so yeah. So, um, how have you, or how, how do you, can you, or can you give us some um, examples, Eric, where you've been able to take an artist or a group and been able to help them to plan yeah. out and have and some, achieve success? Yeah, I mean, I can, I can give you a current example, which is what's happening with the band. And again, this is not like a shameless plug for our band or anything, but uh, 
with the band that I'm involved with that I'm also the lead singer of, uh, I started that band a couple of years ago, about five years ago. And uh, the whole concept and idea of it was, uh, I came from doing, uh, being a solo artist for many years now, for like 10 plus years. And I, I originally came from being in a band. So I missed the dynamic of what it was to be like in a band where you have four or five guys and they're all like all for one, one for all type of situation. Because I went through a bad experience when that last band that I was in broke up, it really changed the way that I thought about. I didn't even know if I wanted to continue doing music after that experience. So it took me a few years to kind of go through that suffering period and then coming out of that, wanting to still want to do music. But what happened was I had a different change of philosophy and I decided, well, I'm going to go about it as a solo artist because at least at that point, if something goes wrong, or I don't have to worry about people leaving the band or some kind of catastrophic thing happening within the group imploding, I could just continue moving forward and it's just me and, and I don't have to worry about it. So after releasing two or three records out on my own, I kind of got the idea in my head that I would have loved to, to, to form this band, my idea of what the perfect band would be. And, you know, I had all this experience uh, with management and already at this point, uh, that one day I saw my, the, the guy who ended up becoming my guitar player, Ramon, I watched the video. We were friends on Facebook and he posted a video of him just, you know, playing over a guitar solo from this famous band. And I had this idea for the band, mind you, for many, many years prior, but I never acted on it. And it was in the moment that I saw that video of him performing that I said, this is the guy I'm going to start this band right now. It was just like literally that spontaneous. Mm -hmm. I wrote him a message on Facebook and said, Hey, I just watched your video. I'm totally blown away about your playing. I would love to sit down and talk with you. So, you know, we had a meeting. I told him, look, I want to put together the biggest rock band on the face of the planet. And, uh, you know, we shared a lot of the same interests and influences in music. And so he said, yeah, let's do it. We started writing and this is what ended up becoming the band disciples of Babylon. So, uh, what's happened with the band we released a record about a year and a half ago an ep we have a new record that's coming out now later this year and uh we released this three song little ep and released it out to the world but we had like a campaign and a strategy behind it and everything because now i was looking at it through different eyes and you know a different approach and we just slowly started building this whole thing online uh and uh, we started getting a very big social media following and had a lot of people follow. I mean, of course, without great music, and this is what I try to tell any artist or anybody who's getting involved, you have to have the great music. I mean, you know, you could be a band like Kiss that was throwing flames and spitting blood and doing all this stuff live, but they had the great songs behind it. Uh, mm -hmm. You can't have one without the other. So we were very fortunate. We were able to work with... Uh, Grammy winning producer that really took our songs to the next level and the music just sounded incredible. And we just started building on, on this. And uh, we've slowly worked it into getting a, a relatively large following, not massive, not millions of followers, but the following that we do have is very focused in what we're doing and very engaged with us online. And so, uh, it's been this thing where I've seen it go from zero to where we're at right now. And there's a buzz happening about the band now. I mean, you know, I think I told you before the interview started that we just came out in an interview in a magazine in Australia, the cover of a magazine. So, and that was just within a year and a half period of that first release. So we know that we're doing something right. And 
there's a strategy behind it and, and it's working. You know, we have a plan and we're just executing it. And now, you know, when I hang up with you, I'm actually going back to working on the marketing plan for this record that we have coming out in October because uh, we're expecting some pretty big things and hopefully taking us to that next step in our career. Um, but yeah, those are, uh, there was another example of another artist that I work with. We're not working together anymore, but he was a Latin artist and he was in a different genre altogether uh, that I worked with. His name was Ignacio Val. Great guy. We're, we're still the best of friends and uh, basically built his career. He was at a certain point in his career when he, he came to me and we met and I immediately could see that the music was there. He had a very, uh, he had a very strong idea and purpose of what he wanted to become and where he wanted to go. So I tend to gravitate to those, to those type of people because I'm one of those people that's very focused and I already know what I want and what I want the outcome to be. And so his music was already great. I felt like it could be even better. So we started to build his whole career and, you know, got him connected with a producer that took his songs to the next level. He ended up putting out an independent release that did very well for him and, you know, slowly started building up his career. He got to open up for some major artists in the Latin field. And, uh, and so, yeah, so to answer the question, th those are some of the successes that I've kind of had. And, you know, their success is relative, I think. And, uh, it depends on what you feel like success, but I think we, I've been very successful on being able to do that. I think I have a, a knack for being able to take somebody from where they're at and taking them to another level, you know? Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. And I know you talk about Eric how because of the, the way people can self publish today, there's a, there's a lot of artists out there um, bringing their music to the market. So it's, it's so much more competitive today so you definitely i don't think you can measure success too by being a household name it is about having right. your, your following in your niche so you talk about eric as well and something i also believe in is that as a as a management company for artists you don't you don't try to take everyone on you're not out there like everyone that comes to you try to help them so you're looking for specific type of people because you want to be focused on helping that client and, and having them achieve results. And I think that's really important because I think when, especially when a lot of people start businesses, I, I know it was definitely my case when I started my own service business w w as a digital marketer, the mentality is, look, I want to get as many clients as possible. And that's definitely a bad strategy. Right. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, we're, first of all, we're a small boutique company, so we're not even near the level of like a major management company that has, you know, hundreds of artists on their roster. But of course, they're fully staffed to control that many artists. So we're definitely a boutique uh, uh, company by, by design. It's something that I want to eventually grow the management company into a much bigger entity. But right now, uh, I'm so focused on what's happening. I mean, we're not even actually taking on any new clients now. I mean, I have another partner that works with me, uh, and he manages one of the other acts that we have right now on the roster. But I've, uh, in, I've intentionally stopped bringing in anybody else because I'm so, uh, first of all, it's my reputation on the line, and it's my integrity, and I don't want to, I, would, I wouldn't want to shortchange an artist or a band and not give them the full attention that they, 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 they deserve. So uh, 
I would never want to try to bite off more than I can chew. And a few years ago, I was kind of at that point where I was like, I had a couple of other artists and I was like, I have to kind of cut this out, especially if I want to try to focus on what I'm trying to do, because not only am I the singer of the band, but I'm also managing the project. So I'm constantly wearing 50 different hats and I'm constantly switching those on the fly. So, yeah. And the other thing to answer what your other point that you that you brought up, which is a really great point the music industry has changed so dramatically as we know the past 15 years and uh it's been a blessing and a curse now it's great because an artist that could be in their house from their laptop computer can record a fully mastered song that could sound pretty much broadcast ready and they can have it published overnight and the next night it's out there for the world the flip side of that is that we have a big glut we have now everybody trying to be a, a an artist and everybody trying to be a musician and so you've got a lot of crap that's out there too. So it's, it's a catch 22. There's a, it's a, it's for me, it's like a, from that point of view, it's a blessing and it's a curse because you, you have the ability to, to get out to millions of people overnight. And, uh, but at the same time, there's a lot of, there's a big glut of music out there and it's just, so it's hard to, it's bad enough that we are trying to, uh, capture everybody's attention, you know, uh, and, and that's the hardest thing to get is somebody's attention, as you know, in this world. Uh, and there's so many distractions out there and there's so many things vying for your attention that it's really hard to crack through that and try to make an impact. And there's an incredible book, which I'm sure you may have read, uh, one of my favorite books, uh, What Would Google Do by Jeff Jarvis, which is talking about the whole idea that we've become a mass of niches. And so even in the world of rock music, Rock music wasn't what it was 20, 25 years ago, where it was part of the consciousness of what we spoke about. You know, now the rock stars are technology companies and, you know, Elon Musk and, you know, all these people have become the new rock stars. So, you know, the world that I live in has become more niche. And, and I think a lot of things have become more niche and it's you trying to break through that. And that's the, it's the exciting thing, but yet the most complex thing that everybody's dealing with is how do you get everybody's attention when you're being bombarded from every corner of your mind, you know? Mm. Eric, for serious artists out there that have great music, what would you recommend that they do to stand out from the rest of the crowd? I think one of the biggest things is not to come out until you're ready to go. So that means making sure that the music is at the highest level because you're basically competing with every other artist that's out there and you're competing with the people that are famous. You know, you have to look at yourself at that level. And that's exactly what we did with our project. We, I, I took it from the point of we're competing with every single rock band that's in our space and we have to come out and present ourselves in that very way. So I would tell bands to not come out uh, sooner than what uh, until they're ready and make sure that they get all their ducks lined up in a row. And that means having incredible imagery with their pictures and their image, uh, the record cover. I mean, every single aspect of their career has got to be what I call bulletproof or as bulletproof as they can get it. And, you know, we were able to do it on next to no money, pulling favors together doing everything that we could possibly do. But when we presented that project to the world, 
I mean, we get it constantly. We get people who are wondering, oh, who the, who's, what label is the band uh, on? And we're, we're an independent band. We haven't signed with a label. We're actually seeking out a label now. We're looking for, for, for a label to go to. But uh, it's, not, it's not the end all to be all. If we don't get on a label, we're fine. We're going to keep moving forward and the ship's going to keep sailing. But I think those are the biggest things that they have to take their career and look at them like, you know, uh, you can take any artist. If they're an R&B singer or Beyonce, you're competing with, that, with Beyonce. You have to put yourself at that level. And everything that you build around that has got to be on that level. Um, and again, it goes back to the bottom line. If you have great songs and great music, you will, they, they will find you. You just have to get out there and do things right. And, uh, and I think it's just taking your craft seriously. You know, you have to take it like if this is really what you want to do, you have to take it as such and just dedicate your entire being to that to get it to where you want it to go. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> You're a business owner, Eric. For all our business owners out there, our startups, our entrepreneurs that are listening, what's some um, big mistakes, maybe one or two, a few mistakes that you've made that you've really learned from in your business? Um, I think uh, one of the biggest things is taking what you, we talked about earlier, taking on more that you can, that you can handle uh, like you, you know, you're so excited about starting this business that you're like, ah, I just want to get out there. And just like, you're coming out like a bull running out of the gates. And uh, I think that was my early mistake that I kind of was trying to bite off more than I can chew in every step of the thing. So I had to kind of hone it back down and just really narrow down my focus, which is what I've done now with narrowing it down that I'm just working on our project and managing that and trying to cultivate that and trying to build that success first because I think once you build that first success, everything else will start coming in and then you can start bringing in those other elements into what you're doing with your business or your long-term plans. Uh, you know, so I would say focus on your core product, whatever that is, you know, and just focus on that. I think a lot of, uh, if you watch, I'm a big fan of uh, Shark Tank. I don't know if you guys have that show over there in Australia, but very big here in the States. And, you know, you'll hear a lot of these entrepreneurs that come and pitch their projects. You'll hear them saying, well, we've got this line and we've got 20 other lines of products. And immediately you'll hear Mark Cuban and these guys saying, well, why don't you guys, you know, lean it down to like one product, one core thing and focus on that. So I would say focus and uh, focus on your core product. And I'm trying to think of what other uh, advice that I can give. I, I would say I'm very big into systems creations and uh, be, uh, making a, uh, everything into a system and uh, and I've been in that process for the last couple of years now putting all my processes getting all my stuff into processes and I think it, uh, one of the big things would be depending on what it is that you're doing whether your services or product based is to definitely create your systems there's a great book I can't remember the guy's name now oh my god um, uh, maybe e-myth Michael Gerber well, E-Myth, e e Michael Gerber is a, is a great one, but there's another one, uh, The Systems Mindset. I forget the guy's name now, the author's name, but that's another great book and how he talks about how he took his call center and really broke down the whole process of that and he was able to take that business and just uh, scale it exponentially. So I think, uh, and I'm definitely from that systems mindset, so uh, uh, I think creating a system for your business to uh, automate all the processes that you maybe necessarily are doing now to get your head out of that, I think would be that. I'm a big four, four hour work week guy. I mean, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are, are into that, Tim Ferriss and all that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I uh, really appreciate 
your time, Eric, today, uh, for everything that you shared. Um, so anyone that wants to learn more about Eric or work with Eric and see what his band's doing, the Disciples of Babylon, the website to go to, well, for the management company, it's Persistent Management. It is that uh, URL, so persistentmanagement.com. Is there any other websites or anywhere else that you'd like to direct people to, Eric? Um, no, you can go there. If you want to check out what the band's doing, you can go to disciplesofbabylon.com. But uh, there's a lot of things on persistent management. And if you know any of your listeners want to reach out to me for anything else, I'd love to chat with them. They can shoot me an email at eric, E-R-I-C, at persistentmanagement.com. And they can email me there if they want to. I'm always into like helping, you know, people or advising them somehow or some way if I can. So thank you, John, for having me on your show. It's great. Great. Thank you. Thank you so very much, Eric. Really appreciate you having, having you here today. And I want to thank everyone for being here and listening also. Hey, John Lagodakis here. If you got something out of today's podcast episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast as each week I'm doing more of these valuable interviews. Also, share it with your friends. Now, if you want to get in contact with me, you can do so anytime through my website, johnlegadakis.com. There's also a lot of great free resources there to help you to get more traffic and leads for your business. This is John Legadakis signing off. I'll see you all next time.